The views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. Let me introduce you to our guests in no particular order. And we do have in the studio. And we're ever so grateful to you, ma'am, for agreeing to come to the studio. Thank you very much. Um, and we do have her in the studio. And um, just give me a minute there. because um, Okay, okay, okay. We've got both of our guests. One guest is on the line. Nice. But right now we do have ooh, Ms. Nizenande. Makri Omachi. Okay. 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 Nice. Okay. Leadership practitioner. What does mm-hmm. that mean? So my work involves um, working with individuals, teams, especially executive level, um, to try unlock their ability, their mm. capacity, their potential mm. um, for leading people. And okay. leadership is about governance. Okay. It's about governance towards a vision and a mission. And if we can get people to adopt a framework that keeps the eye on the prize, because once you lead, I mean, you have some money, things are happening, you can get very easily distracted. Okay. So my work is capacitating people to keep okay. focused okay. on that journey. So is that Mrs. or Ms.? Mrs. Mrs. Yes. Ms. Yes. Is Mr. Matri listening? I hope so. He better be. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Mr. Michael is listening. Because um, there are some things that you're going to say. I'm hoping he's going to call in and say, actually, I don't think that's the truth. No, he knows me. It's you okay. Want. Yeah. Okay. All right. Also, on the line, um, uh, this is uh, Ms. Pindile Mazinono Ndimande. Pindilin Demand, NLP life coach, practitioner, personal development coach, and a pastor. Pastor Ndemande, good evening to you and welcome. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, sir. Um, Thank you so much for having me on the show here today. What's an NLP life coach, pastor? (laughs) All right. So I'm certified as an NLP practitioner. So that stands for Neuro Linguistic uh, Programming. And, you know, what we're basically taught is how to sort of, how, how do I put it, um, we sort of trap the mind or rather we hack the mind in a fast process of either healing or a restorative state or, yeah. you know, a state that you were in before from a childhood trauma or experiences of that nature. Okay. Neuro-linguistic practitioner. Nice. Yes, sir. My goodness, big words today. Thank you very much, Pastor. We really appreciate you agreeing to talk to us. All right, let's get down to it because um, we don't really have much time. Let's begin with the guest in the studio. Uh, yeah, boo. <laughs> <laughs> what do godly women expect from men? Oh, man. You know, I took some time 
to unpack this question. And my place of resolve came at kind of a two-fork road to say, there's what godly women expect and what I would like to propose godly women should expect from men. Because those two things are not necessarily congruent in the current world system and order that we live in, even among Christian women or women who believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. What, so let me start with what I think a lot of women do expect. And perhaps as the conversation goes, um, I'll talk about what I think we should expect and what we should desire from godly men. What I think we expect is largely um, tied to some degree. It's a more sanitized, lovely, good version of what the world is telling us. I think we expect the man to be saved, so to profess that Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior. So we care a lot about this. I mean, when I was in varsity, it was do not be unequally yoked, you know. So that's that's qualifier number one amongst Christian women. Whereas women who are unsaved would probably say, I want a man who is good. A godly woman would say, I want a man who knows the Lord, okay? I'd say that they want a man who loves us and loves us gently. Um, and that gently is is important, it seems, because it's the proxy we have used for a person who is walking with Christ. So we assume that the gentler you are, the more the ways of God are evidenced through you. I would say that we want a man who prays. Oh, it's so romantic when he prays, when he prays for you, when he prays for his family, when he prays. We love men who pray. Um, we also love men, um, as as tricky as it may be to say this. Remember, I'm, I'm saying what we do, what we display, not what I think we should display, is I think we care a lot about men who can provide financially. We are really in a time where men are under pressure to be financially successful, to bear the burden not only of their own um, amenities, abilities, and future, but also that of their spouses, that of their families. And so we're caring a lot about men having money as well. Um, And so, yeah, I I would say that if I were to put these and put them together, that we want men who almost mirror and and possibly walk or or, or are a shadow of who we perceive Jesus to have been. I I would say that about Christian women. Okay. That's what they expect. All right. Um, um, Okay. (laughs) Pastor Ndimande. Yes, sir. What do godly women expect from godly men? Or at least for a man, not necessarily godly, but what do godly women expect from a man? So your question on its own sort of gives the answer, um, because if you're going to start by saying a godly woman, you're putting that woman in a particular position, you're putting her in a particular belief system. And if you put somebody in that kind of a position, it means she has to subscribe to and if you're going to be a godly woman, then it means that you have to subscribe to godly ways. It means that what the what the Bible recommends that which should be a good man for a godly woman, that's what you should subscribe to. 
when we unpack the word godly, we know that it is expressing reverence for the deity. Deity, we're talking about God, his sovereign power. You know, it's being it's conforming mm-hmm. to the laws and the wishes of God. So what will make this whole thing uh, equalized is that if you're going to be a godly woman, the first thing that you should do, and this is according to Scripture, because remember, um, I'm presenting it to you from the Bible. So I, I have to have backup biblical Scripture. So if you're going to be a godly woman, the first thing is that from a man, a man should be godly, and I'll tell you why. It becomes difficult when you are trying to become one, because Scripture says in the book of Genesis chapter 2 that the man leaves his wife, I mean his mother and his father, and be cleaved or joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So there's a transition that happens when you come together with a man and you become one. It becomes utterly difficult when you have to become one with somebody who has a different belief system as yourself, because along the line, it's going to be to your demise. There's going to be clashes. So number one, it's critical that when you're a godly woman, you should expect the men to be godly as well. Um, because you, I, I repeat again, your, your belief systems align, your values align, the way you see things. Now I understand that you won't always see to eye to eye, and also you are individuals even though you become one. So that does not take away from your individuality, but you have to have a common ground and understanding in running your lives, a common ground and structure in your lives. I'll put that aside. Now we look at... And to pick up what I'm saying to you, that we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. The philosopher says um, in the book of Proverbs chapter 9 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we expect the men that fear the Lord. And so remember, we are godly women, so we have to subscribe to what Scripture says. We cannot um, take a framework from the world. We cannot take a framework from another faith. We cannot take a framework for, for, from the universe or anything outside of biblical principles. So we need a fearing, God-fearing man that fears the Lord. We see this in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We want a man who displays wisdom through fearing God. In Acts chapter 2 verses 10, the Bible says that there was a particular man called Cornelius and it states that he was a devout God-fearing man. So we want a God-fearing man that will match our standards and no other. With that, have, that, with that being said, a lot I will unpack. And when we have a God-fearing woman, then the, the next thing we see in the book of Genesis when, because I assume that when we talk about, remember, I'm a Christian, so I'm, I'm on this platform advocating for Christianity through Christ Jesus and his death, crucifixion, and so forth. With that being said, we believe in marriage. A relationship should lead to marriage. So under the constitution of marriage that was initiated in the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis chapter 2, we have an understanding that the Bible says that a man shall leave his father and his mother and leave to his wife. Because of that biblical principle, as women, we expect a man to leave his father and his mother, according to scripture, and keep to us. Understand yet again that cleaving to a man doesn't mean that you control him. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have any form of communication or relationship with his family. It means that he has reprioritized what it means to him to have a wife. It means that he's taken another leverage in his journey. The important people or personnel in his life are no longer his parents but his wife, so he cleaves. And that does not mean he's controlled by the woman or whatever. That's, that's another one. Another thing that we can look at, look at is the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3. The Bible says, Christ is the head of the husband and the, head, the, the, the husband is the head of the wife. So we need a man 
that is godly in terms of having Christ as a head. A man that acknowledges Christ, a man that is godly, a man, of course, when you acknowledge Christ and Christ is your head, it means you pray, it means you seek God, it means there's order. Scripture says that the man of the house is the priest. So there's a level of priesthood that has to be bestowed upon you. There's a level of order that you have to bring in the household of the Father, bring the family together, cause them to pray. Another one that I'll mention also is in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and a lot of my points are going to be out of there, because even though we are called to honor and to submit to the husband, before Scripture says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 that the, the wife should submit to the husband, it starts by saying in 21, um, submit to one another, submit to one another, and then it says, comma, wives, submit to your husband or honor your husband. So there has to be mutual respect and submission. Submission of a man to a woman doesn't necessarily mean that now the woman becomes the head. It's scripture and it's there. Visions after chapter 5, verses 20-21. It's a mutual respect. And this is where a lot of men miss it because comes problems like gender-based violence, come men that abuse their authority and their power. When God gave you a headship over the woman and this is what we expect. We expect you to be the head. It means that we expect leadership from you. We expect you to be a man of integrity. We expect to be a man that knows how to zip, to put up his zip and that doesn't go around sleeping with every woman. We expect you to have a level of honor in what you do as a husband. We expect the leadership yet again. And because of that, we also expect you to respect us because that's what the Bible says. We submit to one another. Abuse cannot be uh, you know, part of it as well. And so men need to understand that this is what women want. And we look at various scriptures in the Bible, you know, like 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 5, when we talk about, because now also Ephesians talk about love. We expect men to love us. There's an innate desire in us as women for men to love us. We want men to love us. That's what God has initiated in us. That's what God has, has sort of formed us and fashioned us to desire a love from a man, and we see this. And because I know that God uh, uh, innately put this into us, we have the desire, and he then instructs them in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, that love your wives, love your wife's husband. We want the husband to love us. And also with that scripture, the Bible says that um, live with your wives in an understanding way. Men have a a sense of their innate, their nature and their innate power existence has a form of, you know, men are rational. They're rational thinkers and there's nothing wrong. Women are emotional. We tend to abuse these two words by using them or misusing them. When we say man is rational, we're not entirely saying that he has no level of emotion. When we're saying a woman is emotional, vice versa, we're not saying that she has no men of, of rationalism. Hence comes the words like women are snakes and they don't have brains or men are dogs and they don't have hearts. No, it's just we have, the men have more rationalism than the women. And that's how God has made them. So with that being said, when, you, when the Bible asks you to live with your wives in an understanding where we expect you to be understanding because God is instructing you that live with your wives in an understanding way. Understand that there's emotional imbalances and hormonal imbalances and understanding. I'm not saying that you have to remain in a toxic relationship where, you know, your wife is screaming at you and shouting at you, but we are saying that have a level of understanding that there are hormones that are in place that, um, you know, because of an innate being or sense, she talks a bit more at times. And this is in no way us advocating for a woman to be disrespectful to a man or to shout or to scream, but the Bible says you have to live in an understanding way. Um, Ephesians 5.25, as I've said, love your wife just as Christ loved the church, right? And then in Colossians 3.19, the Bible says husbands, and this is what we're expecting of, 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 of our, our men because now they're becoming husbands. We, we are not going to do a and said. That's not what 
scriptures say. So we are talking to husbands. And the Bible says, love your wives as you do not be, and, and do not be embittered against them. Don't be embittered against them. Don't, don't be vile. Don't, don't, don't misuse your powers of mission. Don't, don't hit them. Don't scream. Don't misuse your power. Don't command and, and, and demand and, and abuse. And I'm the man in this house, so you shut up. You keep quiet. That's not what the authority that God has given you. You, you respect the authority that God has given you as well. And we look at it for also in the book of, I think I've mentioned it, uh, Genesis chapter 2, 23. Um, the man said when he looked at the woman, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So a man has to have a level of understanding of who the woman is to him. Understand the role that the woman is to, he, to you. We expect you to also listen to us. And one could say, but I'm the head. I'm not going to listen to a woman. If you read in the book of Genesis, there was a scenario where Abraham had an altercation or a disagreement of some sort with the wife because of a maidservant's son. And the Bible says God, Abraham came and he was the head talking to the, 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 head, the overall head and complaining about the wife. And God simply said, Abraham, listen to the wife. It's scriptural. And this is God. This is the creator of the heaven and on the earth. Say to a husband or a man, and listen to a wife. Wives expect men to listen. We are not saying that you, and listening means you are simply considering my viewpoint. You are simply considering my perspective. You are simply considering my presence in the marriage because scripture again says that I am your helper. So you're not discarding my, my representation in your life and you listen, you consider. You might not necessarily take what I'm, I'm saying, but you have to at least have a sense of listening because understand that we are a team. We are not against each other. Anything I will say to you as a wife, it's because we have one common ground and one common goal. If both of us, and this is what the Bible says in the book of Amos, two people cannot walk the same road until they agree. The Gospel of St. Matthew says, a house that is divided cannot stand. So when you want a house to stand of a man and a woman, husband and wife, who are both godly, and this is my expectation, we need to walk the same road in agreement. We need to not be divided. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, I want to open the lines because I was hoping that we would have engaged by now, but it's all right. I needed to give you both the opportunity to say what's on your chest. All right, for those of you who would like to join the conversation, please feel free to call in. I'd love to hear what you have to say about our conversation. It promises to be a very interesting one. I'm listening to both of our guests here giving us some information. Very interesting stuff. It's now 29 minutes before 8, so please start dialing right now. I can see you. Colin, please don't panic. I still need to engage my guests. Um, please do not, do not panic. I am not ignoring you, Colin. I can see your call there. And welcome. Uh, thank you very much, Colin. So um, um, uh, the number to dial, 0860002032. Again, 086-0002032. Call us. would love to hear your voice more than the text message. Seeing our guests, they seem to have a lot to say. So it would be um, better if you send a voice note or you call us. All right. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to send a voice note, please send that voice note to our number 0614. That's 0614. 1414107 again 0614104107 let me begin with you um uh pasta ndimande you yes, said sir. something that i found rather interesting and i've heard this said oh so many times men are priests of their families where did you get that from pastor mm. so a man is the the head of the family and uh, no, no. Head? My question is about the priest part. Where did you get from that men 
or husbands are priests of their families because there's two kinds of priests in your scriptures. If you're a Bible reader, mm. you have priests in the order of Melchizedek, a contentious one, and in the order of the Levite. Men don't have either of those capacities. We don't see any scripture that ascribes to men the role of priest. Hence, I'm curious, where did you get that from? Where did you get from that men or husbands are priests in their families? Right, so because the husband is the head of the family, and he's the one that I believe that according to scripture is supposed to lead the family. So they, there's no particular scripture that says it, but because he's the head of the family, he should be the one that's leading people to, uh, leading the family to Christ. Understand that the order is Christ is the head of the husband and the husband is the head of, of the wife. And so it, it's, it's scripture then says that it's as if the wife doesn't have a covering unless there's a, a, a husband over her, a wife, not a woman, a wife. And so the order is that when when the when the, when Christ is the head of the of of, of um, the man, it means that the husband now has a level of priesthood in the household of leading um, the family, of leading the family to Christ. Where do you get that from? Christ That's what I'm asking you, there, so, Pastor. So, Where do you so get the, it from the that the office of husband is synonymous with the office of priesthood? So you must understand that the priesthood is a it's it's a a a, a position in the church. And no, ma'am, that there is no such position in the church. You will never find okay, so, that so position priest, remember, in the church. Remember that even though priests, in particular what you have said, um, we, often, um, we, we often use prophet priests uh, interchangeably at times. No, we don't, so, ma'am. There is no way okay, you can right. use prophet and priest in the same sentence. They, they are not the same thing. The office of prophet right. is one thing and office of priest is a different thing. Is another, right. I'm asking like, now it's, it's about fo focusing on husband. How do we arrive at the conclusion that by virtue of being a husband, you are therefore a priest? Right. So let me remove the word priest because it appears that it now it's leading us to something that, um, according to scripture, doesn't appear to be. It doesn't but exist at all. That, yeah. yeah, it doesn't exist. Right. So my point is that the husband in the house, because he's been covered by Christ, it, he's, it's his duty to bring forth a a level of godlyhood within the household. Yes, the wife has her own responsibility because she's got her own relationship with Christ, but for the fact that the scripture says that the husband is the head of the wife yeah. and then Christ is the head of the, the, the husband, it means that there's a level of order there. So yeah. to me, it says that because he's the head and Christ covers him, it means that when he covers the wife and the wife covers the children, that's what scripture says, yeah. there should be that kind of order where he brings godliness in the house. So we remove the word priest, So, but yeah. we expect him to be a godly man that is able to teach godly first before the wife does to the children it should be the husband because remember he is the leader in all that he does in the household this is what is expected of him so you you brought in also another issue that I found rather interesting the issue of listening to your wives yes. and you mentioned the story of Abraham and yes. it was a rather odd story to cite because there there was a bit of a tiff between husband and wife and that was not because of the slave woman's child. No, no, no. It was because of Abraham's son he had mm. with the slave woman. Had yes. the child not belonged to Abraham, Abraham wouldn't have had an issue with the slave woman being sent away. So I need yes. to understand how you could say, by virtue of a situation that was created by Sarah, by the way, for the slave woman to come into the bedroom 
of marriage. It was the very same Sarah who did that. It was not brought by Abraham. It was not Abraham's idea. This is the woman who brings in another woman into a marriage bedroom. And then now, after she's now no longer happy with the situation, she wants to get rid of the slave woman with her child. God was not saying men must listen to wives. It was God saying to Abraham specifically that this situation should never have been to begin with. Now that it has gone wrong, let's fix it by allowing her to exit. She was not even supposed to be there. So I'm trying to understand, how did you arrive at the conclusion that this, therefore, is a standard for all men? Because God said this marriage must not have Hagar in the situation and Ishmael must leave. And God did promise Hagar that Ishmael is going to be blessed. Why would you apply that one single situation to all marriages? So in scripture, when we read the Bible, we must understand that we apply it in our lives. So we don't go, oh my goodness, this is Abraham. I cannot apply, apply it in my life. That is, that is talking to John specifically, and that is John as particular scenario that I'm not going to apply. Then there's no point in reading the Bible. What I'm saying to you is that because we look at how twisted the situation is, I'm saying to you that in that analogy, no matter how twisted your marriage is, whether it was caused by your wife or your husband, because there's no in scripture what you just said. There's nothing in the Bible that says because this was caused by Sarah, then this is how I want to fix it. They, they, you, you are then basing something. This is your interpretation. That's not what the Bible says. Having said that, I'm saying to you, look at how twisted that situation is, regardless of that it's brought by Abraham or Sarah, but God says, listen to your wife. And listen to your wife, there's no in Scripture where the Bible says, don't listen to your wife. Because now you're insinuating that it's as if listening to your wife, and if we excuse it from Abraham's story, it's something that God is against. It's listening means that you are having an open ear and an understanding for somebody to hear you so to me it says that when you have when you are in marriage and you look at the story of abram regardless of what your particular marriage is going through it says to you that listen to your wife just have an open ear open open ear and i even mentioned earlier that you don't necessarily have to take what you say it's not a form of control it's not a form of a command but it is understanding what she has to say what her perspective is in this particular matter and so we cannot excuse ourselves from scripture and say it's just abraham it's just jesus i'm not going to apply it oh my goodness this has just happened to an ezekielizer i'm not going to apply we applied scripture because we are reading from what has happened in the past we are taking it and we are reflecting it on our upon all of got our it, lives got it and got it if I, have to... I, want to, I want to engage you on that part and then we want to, want to bring in umamamaki here as well because she wants to jump in as well you're saying there is nowhere in the scripture that god forbids the listening to the wives did i hear you correctly pastor did I hear you correctly yes. that you said there is nowhere in the scripture where God says you should not have listened to your wife or you shouldn't listen to your wife? So I'm saying to you that um, you are saying that uh, in, the, in the situation that you've just said that the reason why God said listen to wives is because the situation was I'm talking about the listening Sarah. to the wives, Pastor. I'm talking about the listen to the wives. The application there was a general. I'm suggesting to you that the hermeneutic is downright incorrect. I'm going to go show right. you the, the book of Genesis, chapter 3. In the book of Genesis, right. we see the fall of mankind. This is the original mm. family. Mm. In the fall of yeah. mankind, Adam had listened to his wife and taken and eaten the fruit. And when yeah. God punishes Adam, he says, because you listened to your wife. So the punishment of Adam is not the 
punishment of eating the fruit or anything else. God specifically says in the book of Genesis chapter 3, because you listened to your wife. Would you like to take that one back, Pastor? Because you listened to your wife and Correct. ate from the fruit of the which I commanded you, you Absolutely. must now eat. Yes. It says because you listened to her. And That's so right. if we were to put a a a a correct connotation to your statement, then subsequently God should have said, therefore I command you not to listen to your wife anymore. No. But it doesn't say that. No, it, it, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that at all. To her, there's a subsequent punishment for correct. listening to your wife. Correct. But that, that, that in no way does not say, do not listen to her going Absolutely. Forward. It doesn't and, say that. But what I'm suggesting to you is, you cannot, therefore, knowing that there is that text in the Bible, you cannot apply a statement that says, men must listen to their wives. One text now, says, I, I God what, says you should not have listened there, and I'm going to punish you for listening. That's what's happening with Adam. And in the situation that you're talking about now with Abraham, it was because Abraham listened, and that's why situations happened there. But God doesn't say that. God simply says, now, that's a situation, listen to your wife. I want to bring in Omamakliachisega. Um, she wants to come in. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, it depends, because I don't have a desire to respond to the course that the conversation have taken. Not a problem. Not a problem. Um, if you'll allow me, there's a few things that um, the pastor has said that deviate a lot from my own understanding revelation, and I appreciate the questions that you're asking. And perhaps where I would like to start in, in, in setting up the infrastructure for where I would like to go so that it's not too jarring from the conversation that's being had, I think a lot of the time when we ask women about men, they talk about husbands. And I think there's a challenge and a problem with that because we're not equipping young women to understand men and to understand what men are about and to understand what God has designed for men. So not only do we not take the time to understand the man, we then jump to wanting to to make him the godly man. And it shows up because the, the Bible also says, um, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows from the, is the issues of life. And so we go and we go and we go. And over time, once you've been with the husband man, it starts to show that actually I didn't understand the man so that I can better engage with the husband man. And so remember when I started, I'd like then to take a few steps back and answer the question more directly is, what do women expect from a man? We will then qualify the man in different ways. We can qualify him as a godly man. We can, we can do that if that's where you are wanting the conversation to progress. But I would like to talk about a man so that not only is the woman who is saved equipped, it is the woman who is inquiring of God about a man. It is the woman who is unsure about her salvation. It is women are interested in men. And I'll talk about cisgendered heterosexual women who love men, want to understand men because they want to be with men for a long time. And so for me, I spoke about what we do do. And remember, I kind of, shall I say, wrapped it up and said it's almost like the shadow of Jesus Christ. Now, what I would propose to women is the things that we tend to do are not the things we should do because you don't need to walk in the shadow of Christ. You have Christ. Have Christ. Have a relationship with God. Know God. 
through Jesus Christ, know Jesus, know what he's done, know the under, understand the reconciliatory work of the cross. But why did Jesus need to come? Jesus came because he's reconciling us to God's original intent and original design that came because of the fall of man and the fall of creation because of what happened in Eden. So what I would like to cite about the man you should be considering is God's original intent about the man. If you want to understand what is happening about the man, you need to understand what God had desired, designed, and purposed in the man so that that is what you have an eye for um, about the man, right? And so if you'll allow me, I'm a little bit nervous because I like your line of questioning, so it'll be good. But I'm going to read from Genesis 2, 15 to 16, and then 19 to 20. And Genesis 2, 15 to 16 says... The Lord God took the man. So the man has been created. It's the seven days. He then creates the man. And then it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. We know how it goes in 17 because I, I cared more for 16a rather than the rest. Okay. Then let's go to 19 to 20. It says, now the Lord God formed out of the ground all of the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air and all the beasts of the field. This is such a critical thing for us to know what is happening and what God has purposed to the man before the woman comes. If we are going to cite man in relation to our creation, we've missed a part of God's original intent about him. We must understand him first without us. And what that tells us a lot is what has happened when God has created the man. So there's three themes. There's probably lots of things one can extrapolate. What I've understood from the scripture, from study, from reading it and interacting, is there's three themes that stand out for me there. When we look at 2, 15 to 16, we see two things. We see that the man has a place. He is in position, okay, in position with God in particular. Now the Lord God took the man. By that, for God to take him, he is with him. He can be taken. He is there with God wherever he is and put him in the Garden of Eden, right? But we also see the man has labor, okay? So the two things that we are seeing is that man is with God. He is obeying God's commands and he is where God wants him to be. God has put him in Eden. He's created him. He's put him there and he's put him there in that garden. And then he's put him there to work and take care of it. Now, I want to say the work part. So we've seen that the place is man is with God, obeying God's commands and where he's where God wants him to be. The second part is man has labor, which is about cultivating and stewarding that which God gives him. I'm not talking about a job. If you can strip a man of his employment, he must still be left with labor because labor is about tending to that which God has created. If you are able to cultivate the things that reside in God's original intent at creation in Eden, then indeed you are a man after God. You are the man God created, perhaps, okay. right? Okay. There's a third one. Let okay. me finish just okay. quickly. 
please give me the time. Okay. Then we have 2 to 19 where we see that the man is naming the animals. Mm-hmm. There I'd like to posture that the man then has authority. Because the man uses his power from God to exercise his authority for the good and advancement of God's original intent for his creation. So I think what godly women, when you see a man, some of the the, the three most basic and critical things that you should be asking, engaging him about is where are you in your position with God? What is your place of rest about God? God, whether mm. you believe, you don't believe, let him tell you about that. He can tell you, I do, I don't. Fine. Do you believe a God exists? What is happening? Then you must ask him about his labor. Not necess- not only his job. Great if he has a job. If he doesn't have a job, you ask him, what are the things you are tending to? What are the things you are cultivating? What are the things you are able to make grow, to make reproduce? To You must tend and take care of things. What are you... T- are you serving in the soup kitchen? Do you do soccer? Do you, are you a tutor? Whatever it is, really, it doesn't really matter. But are you able to labor in God's creation to take things from their seed form to their grown form to their flourishing form to their fruitful form? Because just because a flower blooms, it doesn't mean it's bearing fruit. The mango tree is as complete as the fruit is it, it's able to yield. Can you take things from seed to fruitfulness. That's important. And can you show me evidence? And then authority, it's the naming. It's a man who is able to to use his power to be authoritative about the things God has entrusted him with. These are the things we need to be understanding about the men, especially as godly women. That is what I would like to posture. All right. Um, uh, Amanda, um, let's talk to our uh, our, our callers. Uh, it seems as though we may have to. <laughs> um, uh, Colin, Ngonde, Lake, Mondli, I can see all of your callers. Please forgive me. I just need to just two questions from Mama Maikli and then I'll take your calls. Please do not be upset with me. Mama Maikli, I'm, I'm curious now, does that apply to the authority the man was given over the woman as well? Yes. So it's an interesting one and I gave that some thought. I think after the fall. No, before the fall. The authority. Okay, the woman, repeat your question. Sorry, then I so, heard it differently. So the man is given the authority, and I like the way you couched it and phrased it. Yes. And you said he was given the authority to give to give the name, the, the animals their names and their purpose and all that. Yes. And whatever the name he gave, that's what it was. Yes, right? that's what it became. But it didn't end there. No. I thought you were going to continue reading there. It continued to the woman. Yes. He named the woman the same way he named animals. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he gave her the purpose. The purpose, Her purpose didn't come from she her. She is now... He's, yes. She didn't self-identify what yeah. her purpose is. God did not give her her purpose. It's Adam who gave her a purpose. Powerful. You are going to be Eve because, or you're a woman because. So both those names, woman and Eve, are names that come from Adam. And the purpose for which he is giving her the name comes from Adam. Mm. Hence the question... Um, do godly women accept that their purpose is going to come from their husband? Your questions are always loaded. Do godly women accept it? No. Should godly women accept it? Yes. Now, the reason I say we should, the, the reason I say we don't is because it's quite a difficult thing. The reason I say we should is because everywhere in the Bible it echoes that we should be 
under that submission, right down to once we were created, once there was the fall, the very curse was you. Not only was it originally the blessing that was inferred in him having the authority to name you and confer I that upon you, yeah. not then God had to reinforce it because he did the same even with the man. He had to say, my sister, again, you will be subject to this man. Yeah. We do not like it. It is a very difficult thing because we have authority, we have brains, we have such a limited understanding, interpretation, even socialization of what it means to be under the submission of a man I'm joyously. Not, I'm not quite sure I understand you when you're saying godly women don't, but godly women should. Correct. Because if you're godly, there is only one thing. You submit you to the will of God. Yes. So there is no way that a godly person, whether man or woman, can have any other interest outside God, unless we're talking about another God. If you're godly, effectively that means you're controlled by God. How do we have a woman controlled by God, but still not do the will of God? No, but Naya, you must have grace and you must understand we are not perfect beings. Yeah. We are not, we are struggling with the sinful. I'm yeah. also telling you about the place of sin of a woman. Yeah. I'm telling you about the place of difficulty and weakness of a woman. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. I'm saying it, there is evidence of that. Yeah. I'm saying it, it is real. It yeah. is happening. Yeah. That's why I differentiate. And I think it is helpful for women because unfortunately for us, we haven't made these differentiations yeah. for ourselves. Yeah. And so we, 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 we protect project the woman of God in the Bible onto the woman who is struggling. Yeah. And so we don't have sober perspectives of ourselves. Yeah. We don't have places where we are saying, Lord, help me. Yeah. I believe. Help my unbelief. Yeah. We struggle to, if we don't make the separation that this is what I'm busy doing versus yeah. this is what I'm called to be doing, yeah. we then are in this uh, obscurity of yeah. I'm a godly woman who yeah, loves that. Yeah. But when I'm my sister, your husband is saying you're struggling to submit yeah. and you must posture in yourself that you struggle to do the same thing. One more thing, Mom, um, 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 we have this mantra that was introduced particularly to all Christendom by Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen said, I am who God says I am. I don't know where he where got he that get from. That? God says that yeah, about himself. I don't, I don't know where he got it from, okay. but he says that. And everyone, and I heard another minister, I'm not going to name him because he's another controversial figure, quoting that, that I am what God says I am. And I wonder, women, they are not what God says they are. They are what they are. Adam says they are, according to the original plan in, in, in Eden. So what do you say to those women who say, I don't care. I am what I want to be. I will, will self-determine. What do you say to those godly women? Uh, you know, I wish, I wish I could be better in this moment <laughs> than what I am arguing yeah. about because I'm challenged by the statement you are making. A big part of me wants to take it with me. Um, and hopefully I can come back and say, no, I found it. Yeah. Um, I would like to believe and I would like to rest perhaps, or I have rested perhaps now that it's been challenged. Maybe it's a place now I must inquire of God about and the Bible. Um, I, I want to also be purposed by God first even though my purpose has been inferred or imputed, if you want to call it that, you're, you're absolutely on right. me by, because by... God does, when he creates her, 
He creates it with a purpose with to help. Absolutely. So you absolutely you understand. So yeah. it must reason that Adam Adam spoke into me. Yeah. Adam didn't make me. That's right. And so those things can stand side by side. Yeah. Those things must. I can't say right now. I want to, the, the woman of God in me, the one who loves and wrestles with the angel of the Lord often, wants to say, God must trump. I must be God's child first. Yeah. But I'll give you an example, a, a very personal one, just quickly. We have a word that we speak over in our, fam in our family yeah. home. I've been married a long time. It took a very long time for me first to be accepting that for that me, is the is word. Long time. 13 years. Okay. And long enough. And... Now, here's my cognitive dissonance on display today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said, my, I, God has given me my marching orders. My husband has given me my marching orders, my pastor. Yes. In another place, I say, my husband has given me. So you can see, though, that is the thing you are speaking about. Yeah. Perhaps is the very conflict that does exist in us in women is yeah. God purposed me and created me first. He formed me from from the rib. He, he made me. You understand yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so there is, there has to be an original intent in God um, about me. Yeah. However, can I rest that God's original intent about me, he buried within the heart of Adam and Adam spoke that over me. Yeah. Can, and, 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 and perhaps I'm not sure if it's semantic that we don't want to get lost there. Uh, but I think it is important at a minimum to have an understanding of that mm. so that you know how it is that you are engaging your conflicts as a woman. Yeah. Okay. All right, um, uh, th that's that's our conversation, and I want to appreciate all of my um, callers for being patient. You see yeah. how this conversation unfolded with both of my guests, but we're going to continue on the other side of the news. So I'm going to take just one call who called earlier on. Colin, you're going to go first since you've been waiting all this time, and then the others I'll take on the other side of the news. Colin from Cape Town, good evening and welcome. Thank you very much for waiting, Colin. Uh, good evening, and Hi. good evening to your guest. You know, I've counted about, before I made a phone call, I've counted about 27, 28 times. The wife, the wife, the wife. Expects this, the wife is yeah. upset. Yeah. Now, tell me something. Yeah. I would like to ask that pastor guest. Not once did she ever mention what the husband expects from the wife. They expect godliness from the man. Yeah. But what if you haven't, you've got a godless wife. Or partner or something like that. Well, I had some more questions, but time is gone now. Now, you okay. can go, ask another one because we still have all 30 seconds for you. Go ahead, Colin. Yeah. Um, and we talk about women, 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 and men, and men. So and so. You know, Joseph in the Bible, Joseph went to uh, prison because through a woman, they tried to seduce him. Thank you, Naya. All right. Thank you very much, Colin. All right. Um, uh, whew, okay, Colin is loaded there. He's got a lot on his chest. Let me just remind you, ladies and gentlemen, um, we have invited our guests to speak only from the perspective of women. So please be kind on the pastor. We did say that next week, inshallah, we will be having the perspective of men. What do godly men? So today we're simply asking about godly women. All right. So understand why our guests are restricting themselves to just women. So please, please be kind to the pastor. She is not wayward. Um, she is responding to what we invited her for here. So I'm hoping you understand their call. Facts of Faith on SAFM.
Thank you very much to Eva Chipa for the news. She comes back to update the news and now with the final bulletin at 9 o'clock right here on uh, SAFM, leading the conversation. We're together until 9 o'clock. This is the second and final hour of the program, and we're still trying to grapple with the issues. And if you're listening, you will realize we've only scratched the proverbial surface. We're trying to understand what do godly women expect from a man. It's so diverse. But I'm sure we'll be able to unpeel and... Uh, well, expose the inner core of what we're trying to get to in other shows. But right now, we're trying to get, um, well, the layer, the covering layer. Let me take some calls for you, ladies. Ngonde from Cape Town. Togu. All right. Do we have Ngonde on the line? We don't. Okay. Lake in Durban. Mm, good, good evening. Good evening, Lake. Welcome. Evening. Go ahead. What's on your mind, Lake? Uh, thanks, Nai. Yeah, no, this is a very uh, serious <laughs> a topic you are raising here. Uh, I'm a psychologist, social scientist, and uh, I work in communities as a psychosocial counselor. Uh, the issues are quite deeper than uh, the religious, but I understand and I also take note that you said today uh, or rather tonight's show is about uh, dealing with women. Correct. Uh, in my work, in, commu- in our work in communities, uh, I must say that men, or, and even from boys, actually, uh, they feel economically uh, castrated with the spotlight on women. Uh, and, and it's quite painful when you really deal with that at an individual level. Mm. Um, with uh, in in communities, yeah, I don't know how we can bridge the gap. Uh, we can take it offline, uh, uh, Mr. Lupunduane, uh, about that. But it's quite a serious uh, issue. Okay. Uh, men, young men, uh, usually they feel economically uh, castrated because mm. uh, it looks. Uh, like uh, yeah, they feel they feel them abandoned. Basically, uh, they don't have opportunities um, in our society. So it really also adds onto how then can they participate even in relationships in relationships in general. Oh, isn't that a sad state of affairs? They are lucky. Thank you very much for bringing that up. We'll, we'll yeah, talk about thanks. that. I don't know if you remember the story of um, Job. Job is one man who had everything, literally everything. He was the wealthiest man that ever lived in his epoch. But then again, when he lost it all, his wife said, "How? why don't you just curse your God and die? When he lost it all, he effectively became castrated, as Olake is suggesting, because he lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his wealth. He lost his farming, everything. And even though the wife was there, she was only there to say, curse your God and die. So I get you totally, Olake. Perhaps we might have to focus on that, just that on another day. But I'm hoping you, you got what uh, Michael was talking about, that he doesn't really have to have a job, but he must make something grow. He has to contribute to something growing to its state of blooming and bearing fruit, which is not necessarily a job. I thought there was some, some profundity there. Let's take some more calls for you. Um, Amanda, um, my, my call's there. I don't see my calls. Did you take? There you go. There you go. Um, Mondli is in KZN also. Good evening, Mondli. Hi, I'm Golo. 
Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead Montley. Thank you. Uh, three questions on my case. Just one. Just just pick one of those three questions, Montley. All right, all right. Well, but the Okay, hold, hold that thought. Hold that. Um, Amanda, let's get Mondley on a clearer line. I can't make out what Mondley is saying. I want to hear what Mondley is saying. Mondley, just hold the line. My, my, my producer is going to get you on a clearer line. We want to hear what you're saying. Let's come back to Houding. In Soweto, we do have Nobantu. Good evening, Nobantu. Nobantu? Good evening. How are you? Well, thank you. Go ahead, Nobantu. What's on your mind? Well, okay, I just wanted to make a comment. Uh, on the discussion that just happened just now, yeah. uh, there was an argument that said it was Adam that uh, gave Eve her description. It was Adam who described her, who, who, to say what will um, Eve be. But not from the Genesis um, 2, just there at the top of 18, it says, And the Lord said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Nice. So it was God who defined nice. what Adam needed. Yeah. And it was God who said he needed a helper. Yeah. What Adam was saying, Lapagu verse 23, it was a confirmation of the description that God yeah. gave the yeah. woman. Yeah. No. So I just wanted to pick that. Absolutely. Adam is not, is not the one that is the, the who we are as women does not come from what men say we are. It was what God created us to be, yeah. a helper. So so um, you'll notice there, um, even when Mama raised the issue there, mm. and I did say uh, she's not wrong at all to say that uh, mm. God mm. gives. However, uh, those three mm. de- definitions are, are, are dissimilar one from the other. God yeah. gives, one, gives one purpose, which is that of a helper. Mm-hmm. Adam comes with a second one, which is that one of being a, a mother of the nation, another one, the third one. So all of those are not the same definitions, and we, I'm trying to understand now when you're saying it is not Adam, and yet you have read it yourself that God gives a purpose, Adam gives two. So all those three instructive decisions about what a woman shall be are coming from God and Adam. It is not true to say that Adam didn't have any place. But if we were to be very scathing in your reading, and I love your hermeneutic there, ma'am, would yeah, say that women you know, have no role in it. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I want to I challenge you there, mm-hmm. Nomantu. Nomantu, yes, in, yes, in, in, yes. in the Genesis account, you don't find women okay. having a say at all as to what they shall be. God okay. has a say, her husband has a say, but the woman... Is but you're not silent. giving me an opportunity to speak. It seems like I made this call for you to speak to me, not for me as a listener to give my opinion. Because I'm trying to speak and you are just coming through. And you're just coming through, not giving me an opportunity to speak. Okay. So, yeah, I just don't like that. I don't even like the way you spoke to... Uh, All right, we are going to move on. Right on that note, um, let's uh, find somebody who wants to engage on the topic. Um, we we are giving you Nobantu an opportunity to speak. You made your point. We're responding to what you're saying there. And you were speaking and not giving Okay, I'm not going to debate to this with you now. Shall we move on to the next person there, please? Um, Amanda, can you move? There you go. Um, um, there you go. All right, um, I'm going to give an opportunity to respond. I'm going to give um, also um, the good pastor opportunity to respond because we have a lot to cover here. We're not going to be bickering. Go ahead, Mama. Mm-hmm. 
What what am I responding to? Nobantu's comment? All, all of the calls that we have so far. All of the yeah. calls. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think um, perhaps I'll start with Nobantu. I appreciate uh, the the helper suitable for him. But I think it, it also further in cements even how the call degenerated to some degree, how difficult it is to contend with Adam also having um, given and purposed something in us, that there's something that God has put um, in the man specifically for the woman. And these are the things that are, I, when you started in your introduction, you spoke about the postmodern woman it can be so difficult to contend with those things as a woman, a postmodern, as an intelligent woman, as a woman of God, but a woman who is in the world. Even if I'm not on, on it, I'm able to engage the things to then allow myself to say, ah, I know, yeah, no, my, the man gets this like, how, oh, girl, can't you be better than the man telling you? You know, and even in feminist principle, which is a lot of my own school of thought, this is where I come up against such difficult um, uh, places of conflict because it, it's so difficult for us to contend with the man um, in all of its ways. And even the help meet, I mean, one person who helped me uh, really reconcile being the concept of a helper. You know, it's so hard for me to even say that because some of my feminist school of thought is listening. And you, yeah. it's, you can imagine what's yeah. happening here, yeah. but yeah. it's okay. Um, is is one way I reconciled being a helpmate or a help meet, you know, in its origins, um, direct from, anyway, is it's important for the man to have labor. It's important because then I'm able to help. Yeah. If you have work, like if you are picking up a box, you can say, I'm picking up boxes, Hold can you just, That's right. You, but if I'm, you're meeting a man without labor, mm-hmm. you actually even can't live out. There's a lot of women married to the man of God who himself didn't know who he is, yeah. didn't know he, he, who he is in God, yeah. in his place with God, mm-hmm. that was then struggling yeah. and is struggling yeah. to be the very person that ask it's not even ask for help yeah. is laboring such that my own purpose yeah. as a helper can be fulfilled you, this thing must really yeah, be uncovered yeah there. indeed, indeed. i, I want to bring <laughs> in know? also pastor pastor uh, uh, and demande your response to the callers do we have... um okay go ahead so we need to understand a very important thing that god is sovereign under no circumstance can we place Adam in a position of God, regardless of the fact that he was made by his own image. We see this because Adam again falls, and he falls and is removed. So there's an authority above Adam that cannot Amen. be matched. Such an authority that can even move Adam out of Eden, and he cannot bring himself because he cannot match God's purpose that was given to a woman mm. comes from God. Uh, Adam labeled her the mother of living because he was called Adam, the father of living. He was just giving a subsequent name from himself given by God to his wife because he understood that he comes from his bones. That is not purpose. That is not purpose that has been released from Adam into, into, um, in, into Eve. He was labeling Eve mother because he was labeled man living. And so God gave the purpose to women. 
Now, I will stand with the fact that the man has an authority over the woman. I will again answer you and say the reason why you think, or your question is, why are godly women against being God and, and, and submitting to authority is a point that I'd mentioned earlier, and I'd say that authority is being abused by who we call the man. We have no problem with submitting to authority. We have no problem with submitting to a man, but the issue is that the authority is being misused and abused. Um, it is the order of God. I will again say to you that in the book of Genesis chapter 127, we cannot ignore it. Scripture says that God created male and female in his image. Oh, it appears that in that part they were equal. We understand that Genesis chapter 2 is more an elaboration of Genesis chapter 1 verses 27. We understand that count in more intricate detail. I understand that. Now, let's look at this. In verse 127, he says, and he gave them authority. So in actual fact, even though we see that Adam named them and he appears to have the authority, which is true, the woman had the authority as well. Now, I want to bring into this that... Where do you uh, get the authority of the woman? No, the Bible says that I've given you dominion. Dominion is authority. That's what yeah. the Bible says in, in 127. It says, you created them male and female and gave them to dominate over plants. And yeah. the very same things that Adam, you guys are labeling in chapter 2, he gave them to male and female. You can read it. Genesis yeah. 127. So what I was asking, but the, the context of my question, perhaps I should have asked it a bit more fuller, that right. um, yes. God says upon um, giving now the punishment for sin, he says um, yes. to the woman, he will dominate over you. I love it. And the fact that you said upon the fall, when yeah. you spoke to uh, one of the panelists, you started by saying before the fall. Correct. Before the fall, in my understanding, there was a level of equality. But upon the fall, he says, now your husband will rule over you. Correct. And that says, if now, starting from now going forward, states in proper English that before or prior to that, there yeah. was no authority or ruler over that. So yeah. we can distinguish that. So having said that, women are under punishment. But now Christ comes. No, 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 Pastor. Um, we, we cannot really say that because she had no right to name anything while you're suggesting that she had equal authority or power to dominate I, I, over I, things. I, I, she I said she had equal authority and power. This is according to Scripture. It's in black and white. You can read it. I said that the, the things that Adam named, I didn't say Eve. I said the things that Adam named in chapter 2, yeah. yet she still had the authority that was given to him in verses 127, yet he named it. So there was some form of, you cannot make me, I want you to, I want to be clear. Man has an authority over the woman. We see it even um, in, in the New Testament. For the fact that, you know, when I said, when the Bible says that, I said with the scripture that the man is the head of the family. A head is somebody that has an authority. You must understand that. A head is somebody that, a head is somebody that has decision-making rights. Probably final decision-making rights, depending on how you structure your family. The man has authority that we cannot run away. And even scripture says submit. What do you submit under? The only thing that you can submit under is authority over you and that's just how it is. However, I'm saying that while we have a question in place that states that godly women don't want to submit to this because these godly men that are supposed to exercise clean, pure authority from God are misusing it and abusing it. And I said earlier thus comes gender-based violence. And um, Because you have an authority over a woman does not mean that you belittle her. Scripture then says that you must not be you must not be embittered to her. So my argument is not the fact that there's no authority being given over. I'm saying men have an issue with how they're exercising authority. And so where, where, where it needs to be fixed is men should exercise authority as God has Pastor, given. Not as a, you, you said not something as also person. that perhaps um, um, just before um, uh, we go back to Mondly, I think Mondly is back, yes. right? Um, before we go to Mondly, um, I, I yes, want to just address one thing. You said... Um, men must uh, not belittle her. 
And I've always found that rather curious because we do find the right. ultimate man, Jesus, Yeshua Hamashiach himself, belittling a woman. Do you remember the way he spoke to the woman who wanted help from him? And he says, be it far from me to give the bread of the children to the dogs. Do you remember? Yes. Do you remember that woman? Yes, I do quite well. Quite imagine well. today. Imagine the language yes. that we'll be using. He, the, the Bible is very kind. It says dog, but we all know what a female dog is. No, no, no. You, you would no, imagine no, what, what, what was that, happening there? Wasn't Christ that, that, belittling that, here there? And she responded, by the, the way, and said, um, "Even dogs eat crumbs falling the from Bible the master's says, table." Amen. The Bible says, "Do not add and do not omit from the Bible." Mm. So you will not and say that the dog, we know that in modern times. We're not going to say that. So we, you, we're going to reverse that because you are adding to the Bible. You're coming against the religion that you are obviously impo opposing right now. So that we will not agree. We're not going to take it on the table. What I will say to you is that he did say that. But various times in Scripture, the Bible says Jesus was a man that spoke with, he spoke with analogies. He liked using an analogy. He was not referring to women as the fact that she's a dog. It was an analogy to say, my kingdom, they are priests and kings. And in my kingdom, you are almost appear like a dog. It was an analogy. It was a. It was. It was like he was. Mm. Um, I just there's a word. Call it what you will, Pastor. Call it what you will. What I'm asking is, I'm asking you today. Would you take kindly to any of your colleagues in the ministry addressing you with that analogy? Now, so I will answer that. I will not. But I will answer with the fact that I've come on this platform to speak about to speak about godly women. So I'm not going to deviate because you don't allow me to deviate. So I'm going to stick to the fact that we are talking about godly women we're expecting from men. All right. And so the reason why I'm, I'm bringing that to your attention is a statement that you made there, Pastor. So you made a statement, and I'm challenging you on the statement you made. You made the statement. I accept that. I accept that. And I appreciate the fact that you're challenging it. And I have to then also challenge what you're saying as well, that we put everything in proper in proper context because there's a context to everything okay. that we say. So what and is the context it. of a statement that says men should not belittle? If we know that the Christian Messiah did belittle a woman, and I need you to explain your context there. Yes, sir. So, so, but I'm, I'm trying, and I don't know how else to say it. Um, I don't know what words, English words to use, but I'm talking about a man that will abuse a woman, call a stupid, kill. There's gender-based gender -based violence. And I'm saying that a godly man that misuses authority is when you hit a woman, it's when you shout it and scream at a woman, it's when you put a woman in a corner and you, you belittle in terms of um, sexually abusing her, raping her. Um, Let me know. be direct there, Pastor. My question is, yes. would you be okay? All of these things you've just mentioned right now, fair enough. They're criminal in this country. Yes. You're not allowed. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're not allowed to do those yes. things that are called assault and all variants of assault. My curiosity is on how... You saying Christ is the example, and then this Christ calls a woman a dog. Would you be accepting of a man who says, like Christ, used an analogy and called a woman a dog, and therefore it is acceptable for a man in the year 2024 to call women dogs, or a woman a dog? And then the man would then say, according to Upastandimande, I'm just using an analogy. Is that acceptable mm -hmm. there, Pastor? It's not acceptable, but I like the fact that you're talking about Jesus was the Messiah, and mm. this is a story in the Bible yes. that he was iterating. And no pastor yeah. is going to go on the platform and say that, but we do preach about it, and we do say in church. Yeah. And how we will then um, elaborate on that is that we look at ourselves and we feel, I'm a dog, not a literal, actual dog. Mm. And we look at the characteristics 
of a dog. What okay. does it? What does a dog look like? A dog is someone that's disregarded. So it's more the characteristics that Jesus was implying. And how do we know this? Because various okay. times in Scripture. Jesus used stories to try and explain yeah. things. So it's not that you are saying you're a dog and you are nothing. It was saying the characteristics of a dog is someone that is an outcast from an actual family setting, yeah. an extra that has no meaning. With it respect, was a you, you've just added to the scriptures too there, Pastor, in case you've noticed. You're just pointing it out that you, you also did the very same thing you were lamenting about. But what I have to bring in Mondli from KZN, um, we, we put him off because we had a clearer line from him. Mondli, are you there? Yes, yes. Go ahead, make yeah. your point, sir. Uh, the question I wanted to ask is, is it possible, okay, let, let me put it like that. The pastor, whose criteria are they using to determine or to establish a fact biblically that this man is not a godly man, despite the fact that Genesis tells us that God created the man in his likeness? Yeah. By the way, can we have a man who is not a godly man, yet he was created in the likeness of God? I okay. thank you. Also, you, who do you want the, uh, the, the question to be answered by the pastor? Or both guests? Anyone can answer. All right, we'll give them both an opportunity to respond. Thank you very much, Mondi. Appreciate your call. All right. Sorry, sir. I'm, I really struggled with that line. Can you um, I can reiterate the question. What criteria are you using to determine and distinguish a man as godly? For you to be able to say this man is godly and mm. that one is not, what criteria are you using? Because according to him, if we're all mm. created in the image of God, we are therefore all godly. Your response, Pastor. Right. So I mentioned earlier two points from Proverbs nine chapter uh, Proverbs chapter nine verses ten, and I said that remember that a godly man and I use and I first defined godly because I knew this was going to come up. So we need to understand that there are definitions. We can't just use names and words and not understand its definition. I gave a brief definition of what godly means and godly and this is the word that you have given me as as a panelist. The word godly means that you are subscribing. So we are made by God's image, but then when we look at the definition of godly. It means you're subscribing to the laws of God. You can look that up if you want. In fact, there's, there's many definitions, but it's, it's, it's having not just been created by God, but it's having a, an intentional honor and respect to follow God's laws and decrees. You can okay. Google that. You can research what God is. So Got now it. we are saying that when you're a godly man, it means you're subscribing to God's laws and rules okay. and you're subjecting yourself. All right, Mamati, yes. your response? Um, look, uh, Men of God and women of God, uh, <laughs> they are very much, um, from my experience, rooted in the church um, and the church congregation of the saints, not, not necessarily um, something I knew from directly the word. Um, I think it's colloquialisms and we've taken it. But I, what I would like to, where my grace falls um, at least for me, I think the caller is correct also, is um, I like sometimes to make sense of um, things of Scripture, the way Scripture itself has been constructed, and you you, you preambled it that way, is um, there's that which is was ordained at creation and that which is ordained at salvation. And I think a man created by God or a human being created by God is of God. And so you are blessed, you are ordained by virtue. And that's why we said man, um, because there is a blessing that is conferred because you are a human that is a man. Um, and so the caller is right. But also I think what we are also intending to mean is a person who um, is is saved, 
That's where I like to start is they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They are in and they are working out their mm-hmm. salvation. I think a lot of us um, are okay with people who say, no, I gave my life to Christ, whatever that may mean. But um, that the, the working out your salvation with fear and trembling, the sanctification mm-hmm. is not necessarily the outpouring of a person's heart. Mm-hmm. So I think we would like to say that a godly man is that man, what I've understood, but also a man who is under themselves the submission of God's authority yeah. and leadership in their life. What about Abraham? Abraham was an idolater when he was called by God. He had no relationship. He was m- selling idols. Absolutely. And yeah. this is, can I answer after? Start there, please. <laughs> <laughs> I want to answer that one. I like no, it. No, no, our time is up. No, we're ending it right there. We're uh, ending it right there. To both okay, of my yeah. guests, I want to say thank you very much. We have gone way over time because of the nature of our conversation and the spirit that prevailed. To both my guests, Mama Uni Zenande Mati, a leadership practitioner, thank you very much for thank your time. You. I'm thank really you for appreciate your me. insights. Also, we do say thank you very much to the pastor, Pindilema Ndimande, pastor Pindile Ndimande, NLP life coach, practitioner, personal development coach, and a pastor. Pastor, thank you. We really appreciate your insights as well. Thank you, sir. All thank right, it's 30 minutes now after 8. Um, my goodness, the very first program of the year is like this. How is the year going to be? <laughs> take a break and come back. And when we come back, we're moving on. This is Sex and Five.